Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem. Amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing with Kitab al-Riyadat al-Nafs in the Sharif edition, Sharif translation, we're on page 96, chapter 3. And then in the winter, we are on chapter 22.3, page 24. All right. An exposition of the susceptibility of the traits of character to change through discipline. Know that the man who who is dominant by sloth will consider unpleasant any spiritual struggle and discipline or any purifying of the soul and refinement of the character. Okay, so so that's the one of the most important points is if you're someone of sloth or idle or lazy, any efforts to make any change or transformation, you're going to actually dislike. Okay. If you dislike it, it means you're going to resist it. Mm-hmm. Now, sloth doesn't necessarily mean physical sloth. Sloth could also be just, in terms of your character, you're not giving it much attention. You're just really slow to really concern yourself with those things. So if someone's coming along focusing on change, you'll find yourself being very resistant. Because of his deficiency and remissness and the fo- foulness of his inward nature, his soul will not permit him to undertake such a thing. Therefore, he will claim that the traits of a man's character cannot conceivably be altered and that human nature is immutable. Okay. So, some guys will say, that's just what I am. Okay. And why? Because of the, the things that they indulge in. The things that they indulge in are unhealthy, inappropriate, bad, forbidden things. And that leads them to develop an appreciation for those things, which means they're going to be resistant to change. And so rather than change, they're going to say, I can't change. People don't change. Mm-hmm. So people like the, the family members of such a person will become very frustrated. Mm-hmm. He will adduce two things in support of this claim. Firstly, he will say that character is the form of the, in, um, is the, form of the inward in the same way that the created form of man is the form of the outward. No one is able to alter his external appearance. A short man cannot make himself tall, neither can an ugly man render himself handsome, vice versa. And thus is the case with inward ugliness. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's, and essentially this is just nonsensical proof. You know, I can't change myself from tall to somebody taller, and character is the same thing. That's nonsense. But that's the type of arguments people use to defend, um, you know, the inability to change. Secondly, he will assert that goodness of character proceeds from suppressing one's desire and anger, and that he has tested this by means of a long inward struggle, which demonstrated to him that these things are part of one's character and nature, which can never be separated from the human creature. So that busying oneself with such a struggle is profitless and a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically, I'm just this angry person, and that's what I'm going to be. So it's a waste of time to try. Like, people aren't going to say it's a waste of time trying, but that's essentially what they're saying, as an excuse. Mm -hmm. What is required to bar the heart from inclining to the fleeting fortunes of this world, and and this is impossible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, keep going. To such an objection, we would say, were the traits of character not susceptible to change, there would be no value in counsel, sermons, and discipline. And the prophet, may God bless him and grant him peace, would not have said, improve your character. Mm. 
How could such a denial with respect to the human creature be made? It is possible to improve the character even of an animal. A falcon can be transformed from savagery to tameness, a dog from mere greed for food to good behavior and self-restraint, a horse from defiance to docility and obedience, and all of these things constitute a change in character. Mm -hmm. So the simple point is that if the prophet, peace be upon him, is saying to improve your character, then by definition your character can change. Okay. And if the prophet's saying to do so, then it's an instruction. In order to unveil the nature of this subject more fully, we would say that existent, that existent things are divided into, firstly, those on the roots and branches of which man and his volition have no effect, such as heaven, the earth, the stars, and even the outside and inside of the parts of the body and the other organs of living things. In short... Everything which is already complete in its existence and its perfection. And secondly, those things which exist in an incomplete form, but which are possess possessed of the ability to be perfected when the condition for this, which may be connected to the volition of man, is met. Okay, try to translate that into simple English. Okay, so what they're saying is that um, we have to realize that when it comes to, like, things being able to change. There's some things that we have no control over, such yes. as the earth, the stars, yes. um, even like part of ourselves, our bodies, um, and organs. Yep. However, um, those are things that are made by God um, and are perfect in their creation. Yep. However, there are things that are still incomplete that we have the ability to perfect if we expose ourselves to the proper conditions. Exactly. Okay, good. Continue. Okay. For a seed is not an apple tree or a date palm. It has merely been created in such a way as to permit it to become one when it is properly nurtured. And even when nurtured, a date stone can never be an apple tree. Therefore, just as a seed is affected by human choice so that it is susceptible of acquiring some qualities and not others, so also anger and desire, which we cannot suppress and dominate entirely so as to destroy every trace of them, can be rendered, should, should we so wish, obedient and docile by means of self-discipline and struggle. Okay, so translate that. Okay, so what is being said is that um, just as character is incomplete, um, but can be perfected when in the correct um, condition, it's similar to a seed. Mm -hmm. um, however, a, like a... A date seed cannot become a, like an apple tree, and we have to realize that although our um, angers and our desires cannot be completely like vanquished um, and suppressed to the point where where they are destroyed, we can um, through discipline control them mm -hmm. and make them docile. Yeah, and the key the key word here is discipline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and this we have been commanded to do, for it constitutes the means of our salvation and our coming to God. Yeah. And so that's the goal. The goal of making your character upright is to get closer to Allah Ta'ala, mm -hmm. right? It's good to make your character upright for the sake of doing so. It's good to work for justice for the sake of doing so. But the goal is to get closer to Allah. Of course, temperaments vary. Some accept this thing rapidly while others do not. There are two reasons for this disparity. First, there is the power of the instinct, which lies at the root of one's temperament. Together with the length of time for which it has been present, the capacities for desire, anger, and pride are all present in the human creature. 
However, the most difficult to deal with and the least susceptible to change is that of desire, which is the oldest capacity in man. Mm-hmm. So the hardest one to change is desire, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because that traces back to our innate yearnings. Mm-hmm. And so that is the, the most difficult one to address. Because that goes all the way back to your birth, mm-hmm. right? Related to hunger and all that. For it is the first thing that was uh, first thing to be created in a child to be followed perhaps after seven years by anger and finally the power of desertion. The second reason is that traits of character may be reinforced as a result of acting frequently in accordance with it and obeying it and considering it to be fine and satisfactory. In this regard, people are of four degrees. First, there is a man who is innocent and without discernment who cannot tell truth from falsehood or beautiful from foul mm-hmm. actions, but who rather remains with the disposition that which disposition with which he was created, being devoid of any doctrines and whose desires was ne- whose desire was never aroused through the pursuit of pleasure. Such a man will respond very rapidly to treatment and only need the instruction of a guide and an internal motivation which spurs him to the spiritual struggle, through which things through which thing his character will be reformed in the shortest possible time. Okay, so describe this first person. Okay. So our first person um, is unable to um, distinguish between falsehood and truth and all that. Um, However, they... I feel like they haven't been influenced by... That's the key point. ...much, right? By desires and stuff. So once they have a guide and some motivation within themselves, they can be turned to the right path. Yeah. I mean, sometimes in Urdu... I mean, the word is Arabic, but in Urdu we might call someone Masum. Mm -hmm. But what we're kind of saying is that they're innocent naive. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. Secondly, there is the man who recognizes ugly facts for what they are but is not in the habit of acting righteously, for his evil actions have been made to seem fine to him, and he commits them under the influence of his desires, which, having one control of him, deflect him from his better judgment. Despite this, however, he knows that he is not acting as he should. The condition of this man is, is more intractable than that of the first, and he has a far heavier task to perform. He must first uproot the habitual inclination to corruption which has become rooted firmly in his soul, and secondly, sow therein the quality of habituation to righteousness. Nevertheless, he is in general susceptible to the effects of self-discipline should he undertake this in a serious, determined, and resolute fashion. Okay, so explain this person. So this is somebody who um, tends to lean towards uh, what is th- what they said like foul or corrupt yeah. character characteristics um, and like giving into their um, their desires mm-hmm. um, but they recognize the bad like the ugly as mm-hmm. bad yeah but they're I guess they're just not able to control their desires yep Third, uh, thirdly, a man may consider ugly traits of character to be obligatory and preferable and to be right and beautiful, having been brought up in this way. The treatment of such a man is almost impossible and his reform can be hoped for only in the rarest of cases because the sources of misguidance in his case are so many. Mm-hmm. So, that's, what's that? That's kind of scary. What is this person? 
Um, just someone who's always been exposed to the follower, the corrupt characteristics, to the point where they consider them to be the right and the beautiful ones yeah. and preferable. Yeah, we'd call this person a sociopath. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Fourthly, there is the man who has been reared to believe in and to work corruption. He believes that merit lies in abundant inequity and murder and boasts of this in the belief that this raises his status. This is the most difficult degree in which connection in in which connection it has been said that improving an old man is hardship itself, while reforming a wolf is torture. Mm -hmm. hmm. So describe this person. Uh, this is a person who will take part in corrupt and foul activities mm -hmm. for their own advancement, mm -hmm. knowing that they're hurting others. Yeah. Um, and working to improve them can be destructive to yourself. Yeah, and part of it <coughs> is that they actually get some sort of pride in destroying other people. A very scary person, right? So these are essentially four different levels of evil uh, in terms of people. One is the person who's kind of innocent. Mm -hmm. The next is the person who's doing bad, but they know it's bad. Mm -hmm. The third is the one who does bad and doesn't really think it's bad. And the fourth is the one who does bad, knows it's bad, and enjoys it. Mm -hmm. And those people, so the further you get down the line, the more impossible it becomes to reform that person. And that's the scary thing. Like, uh, the TV show The Sopranos, uh, it starts out with Tony Soprano, who's the head of a mafia family, visiting a psychiatrist because he's getting these panic attacks. Mm -hmm. okay. So over six seasons, six-some years, um, he keeps visiting the psychiatrist who keeps working on him to help him improve. And then by the end, she determines that he's a psychopath. Mm -hmm. He is not going to change. Mm -hmm. And she's been seeing him for six years, thinking he's going to change, but it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what some people are, and that's very scary. There are some people who are basically wicked. What do you think? Sad. Yeah, sad and scary. Yeah. Okay. Um, does the first of these four men is simply ignorant, while the second is ignorant and misguided? Yeah. The third is Ignorant, misguided, and corrupt, while the fourth is ignorant, misguided, corrupt, and evil. And just straight evil, yeah. Because mm -hmm. that fourth person takes pleasure in it. Yeah. yeah. The other illusory notion, which is adduced to the statement that anger, desire, worldliness, and other traits of this kind cannot be torn from the human creature for as long as he lives. This is also an error an error onto which a faction has fallen which imagines that the pursuit of spiritual struggle is the complete suppression and effacement of these attributes. Mm -hmm. Such a view is absurd, for desire has been created for a purpose, and it is, indispens it is an indispensable part of the human nature. Mm -hmm. Should the desire for food cease, man would die. Should the desire for sexual intercourse cease, the man would die out. Yeah. And should man feel no anger when no anger, he would not be able to defend himself from those things which threaten his life. When the basis of desire remains, the love of property must necessarily remain also, which encourages one to guard it. What is required is not the total extirpation of these things, 
but rather the restoration of their balance and moderation, which is the middle point between excess and defect. Okay, so translate this. Um, again, it's saying that we cannot um, cling to the notion that we can erase desire and mm-hmm. anger from ourselves. Yeah. Um, they what? were created for a reason. Good. Um, and part of their reason is not just like self-preservation, mm-hmm. but also... I mean, I know it didn't say, but yeah, also yeah. like our connection to the divine yeah. um, is part of that. So what we need to do instead is find a balance mm-hmm. that'll allow us to have a balance in moderation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, balance. Like, there's a couple of qu- answers that are the answers to every single question in Islam. Mm-hmm. One is you need to have a balance, right? <laughs> or it's your intentions, right? Mm-hmm. Or you have to look at the context, uh-huh. you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah, when I hear you have to have a balance and I start shutting down my brain. But the basic point is that all of these things are natural and good, but they have to be put in their proper place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with regard to the trait of anger, what is needed is sound adore, which lies in the avoidance of both recklessness and cowardice, and, gener- and generally to be strong on oneself, but nevertheless un- under the control of the intellect. Mm-hmm. It is for this reason that God, exalted as he has said, Severe against the unbeliever, compassion amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Describing the believers as severe. Severity can only arise from anger. And were there, were there to be no anger, there would be no jihad against the unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And how could one intend to uproot anger and desire entirely when the prophet, prophets themselves were not divested from them? Mm-hmm. God's emissary, may God bless him and grant him peace. One said, I am only a man and like other men, I become angry. People used to say things he disliked in his presence. May God bless him and grant him peace. And he would become so angry that his cheeks would be flushed. Although he would never say anything. But the truth from which anger never caused him... He would never say anything but the truth. From which anger never caused him to diverge. And God, exalted is he, said, And those that suppress their rage are forgiving towards the people. Rather than those that have no rage. Okay, so everyone has anger. Mm-hmm. The prophets, peace be upon them all, had anger. The prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, had anger. And you could tell when he was angry if someone said something really inappropriate or nasty. Mm-hmm. Then he would turn very red. Um, but it wouldn't overtake him. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's saying angry by default is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things that if it turns into rage or violence, then it's gone in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Restoring rage and anger to a position of moderation whereat they do not overcome and subdue the intellect, but instead submit to its control and authority, is therefore a possibility, and it is this to which we refer when we speak of reforming the character. A man may be so dominated by desire that his intellect is unable to restrain his desire from evil doing, mm-hmm. yet he may, by means of self-discipline, restore it to the position of moderation. Mm-hmm. The possibility of this is demonstrated by experience and observation in such a way as to leave no room for doubt. The proof that it is this moderation which is required in the trait of character rather than one of the two extremes lies in the fact that generosity is a trait which the law deems praiseworthy and constitutes a middle point between the two extremes of avarice and extravagance. God, exalted as he, has praised this moderation by saying, and those who, when they, when they spend, are neither extravagant nor grudging, and there is ever a middle ground, be- and there is ever a middle ground between the two. Mm. 
So what's this one about? Okay. <laughs> uh, I think so. It's talking about virtue ethics, pretty okay. much, okay. and finding that balance again. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. So again, um, as someone who um, who may be unable to restrain. Okay, you're you're almost there. So, so basically, you have anger, you have the appetite for anger, Mm -hmm. and your intellect should be able to subdue your anger, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, But sometimes it can't, Mm -hmm. but maybe self-discipline can at least take control of your anger, okay? Mm -hmm. So intellect will basically be, okay, I don't need to be angry right now, just like I don't need to be afraid right now, Mm -hmm. okay? But uh, if that's not working for me, my anger's too strong, then at least self-discipline, the practice of getting in control of my anger can help me take control of my anger. So at least you won't act upon it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and he has said, exalted is he, let not thy hand be chained to thy neck, nor open it completely. Likewise, in the case um, with the desire for food, moderation should prevail rather than greed or indifference. God exalted his. He has said, eat and drink, but not extravagant, for God loves not the extravagant. And in the matter of anger, he has said, severe, sever, sever, sever against the, uh, severe, I don't know. Severe. Severe, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, severe against the unbeliever, compassionate amongst themselves. The prophet, may God bless him and grant him peace, said, the best of affairs is the middle course. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's all straightforward. Okay, keep going. Okay. Um, there, is a secret, there is a secret and an explanation to this. For felicity is pre- predicated on the salvation of the heart from the vicissitudes of this world. God, exalted is he, has said, save him who comes to God with a sound heart. Mm-hmm. Avarice is one of these vicissitudes, and so is extravagance. The heart should be safely between the two. Okay. That is, yeah. not attentive to money, nor yeah. zealous either to spend or withhold it. Yeah, so, so you got one person who just can't stop spending, and you have the one other person who doesn't spend anything. Mm-hmm. So you want to be somewhere in, the, in between. You want to be in the balance. Mm-hmm. Um, for the heart of the man who is zealous to spend or to withhold is distracted by these two inclinations. His heart cannot be whole until he is purified of both. Since this cannot come about in this world, we ask for the state which most closely resembles their absence, and that which is farthest from both extremes, which is the mean. Just as tepid water is neither hot nor cold, but exists in a middle state between the two, and is, as it were, free of both qualities, so too does generosity lie between extravagance and avarice. Um, encourage... Sorry, I have to 
Okay, um, just as tepid water is neither hot nor cold, but exists in a middle state between the two and is, as it were, free of both qualities, so too does generosity lie between extravagance and avarice, and courage between cowardice and recklessness, and temperance between cupidity and indifference, and such is the case with all other traits of character. It is the extreme, then, of any matter which is er which is reprehensible. Reprehensible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like a, so. <clears throat> what we're saying in a simple nutshell is that for every every bad trait, figure out what its opposite is, mm -hmm. and that'll help you figure out where you need to be, which is somewhere in between the two. So, spending too much money, the opposite would be spending a, uh, not enough money. Okay? Mm. Being too generous to the point that you have nothing left would be the opposite from not giving anything. Mm -hmm. And so the goal is to figure out what is that point in the middle, right? This, then, is what is required, and it is a thing very possible to achieve. Certainly, the guiding shaykh must make all ang anger ugly to the aspirant, and all withholding of wealth, and should not allow him any con concessions in this regard. For were he to make the slightest concessions, the aspirant would use this as an excuse to retain his avarice and anger, imagining that he possessed only the permitted amount. Mm -hmm. If, however, he were to try with all his might to pull these traits out by the roots, he would, um, he would prove able only to destroy its strength and restore it to moderation. Sorry, could I repeat that? I'm going to read that again. Okay. If, however, he were, he were to try with all his might to pull these traits out by the roots, he would prove only able to destroy its strength and restore it to moderation. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the correct course of action is for him to intend to uproot it, which will permit him to change it to the required level. This, this secret, however, should not be revealed to the aspirant, for a foolish man might be deceived by it and think that his anger and his, withhold and his withholding of his money were just. Okay, so translate it. Okay. Um, so, I mean, by the shape, I think they're just referring to, like, the guide or the teacher, whoever is trying to guide the person. Yeah. Um, so they're saying that... We can't really tell people that you have to have this balance or that you can't, we can't tell people that, you know, it, it's okay to have some anger because it might lead them to be comfortable in their state of being mm -hmm. and think that whatever amount of anger they have mm -hmm. is the okay amount. Um, but instead we should encourage them to uproot it because yeah. that might lead them to it in moderation yeah so so basically so if I'm excessive in something mm -hmm. my goal is to stop it completely mm -hmm. okay um, and that's not gonna get rid of it mm -hmm. but it'll hopefully decrease it and at the very least I should have the intention to, to uproot it that'll make it easier for me to put in the effort okay but this is not something just to tell people mm -hmm. because people will think that all right so I've decreased it, now I'm okay, but mm -hmm. they still might have too much of it. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Cool. Any questions or thoughts, comments? So I guess with, um, I mean, you kind of answered it, but so when like looking at it specifically with specific situations, so if you find yourself doing an action that's wrong, make your goal to just stop it completely. Yeah. Altogether, even though. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean... Your goal, you're going to accomplish your goal, right? Mm -hmm. So it means you'll accomplish it a little bit. Mm -hmm. The hard part is you might 
um, go back into more excess, mm. right? So one risk is that you might think, okay, I've decreased it, therefore I'm okay. No, you might still do too much. But the other issue is that it, uh, you might give up and then get even worse. Yeah. Like when people relapse. Yeah. You know? And so the key point to take from this is that the ideal is, <clears throat> uh, number one, to understand that these appetites are okay as long as they're in their proper amount. Mm -hmm. And then to figure out what is the proper amount, figure out what the opposite is of the excess mm -hmm. of any of these, and then they'll figure out what the, the middle point is. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Any other questions or thoughts? All right. So we'll continue next time, inshallah, whenever that is. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين